0: So, please open in your Bibles to the Psalms, the book of Psalms. And two weeks ago, it was my privilege to speak from Psalm 90, the oldest Psalm in the Bible. Today, we're looking at Psalm 91 in a message I've entitled, Protection from Everyday Danger, protection in a world of danger, excuse me. And I'm going to be reading uh, the entire psalm uh, with you. If you're watching, this will be streamed online, but you can also click the Bible Gateway and look up Psalm 91 in the search engine if you'd like to follow along that way. Uh, this psalm is a familiar psalm for some of you. Uh, or if you're not familiar with this psalm, I suspect as we read it, certain phrases will sound familiar to you. Uh, familiar or not, it has provided tremendous comfort and strength and reassurance uh, to Christian believers and, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people for generations God has put this psalm into his book, the Bible, for a purpose, because he speaks to us in this psalm literally. He will speak to you directly in the concluding verses of this psalm. And so as we look at Psalm 91 this morning, it provides me and you an opportunity to check ourselves and see how it is with our souls. Whether the foundation you're standing on is solid or not. Whether the state of our souls is shaped more by circumstances around us or what we know to be true. Whether or not Christ is our solid rock. Or not. I think as we read this psalm, we're going to realize that God, through our engagement with it, is renewing our faith in the promises he makes. Because God is the only safe place in a world of danger. Psalm 91, this is God's word. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide In the shadow of the Almighty, I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions. Those are the wings underneath a large bird. It allows it to fly. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will not only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The most high who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you. To guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91, this is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we would ask of you again that you would help us this morning. The great business of our gathering today is to know you with more of our heart, your word is so good. It can be like a sword that is able to penetrate and go exactly where it needs to be. And yet at the very same time, it can be like rain, the nourishing rain that nurtures what you have already begun in us. So, Lord, we pray you would use this psalm in whatever means is necessary, perhaps to penetrate to some places and spaces that are deeper than we acknowledge, perhaps to encourage truth that is already planted in us but needs nurturing. God, use your word in our lives. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This is a great psalm, but like Psalm 90, to my astonishment, this is the first time this psalm has been preached out of at Crossway Church. This marks our 70th psalm we've given to this church, and this is yet Psalm 91's inaugural ride. So God have mercy on me. When we were at the pastor's college, Linda and I, in 1990, and Dan would follow, that oh, was earlier, what, 2000. Yeah, thank you. And Dan would follow several years. There was one teacher that they would bring in at the end of the year. You may have heard of him. You may have not. Uh, he was a pastor. Uh, he was also a seminary professor, Uh uh, so he was both a shepherd uh, as part of a church that was responsible for serving people and caring for the flock. He was also a theologian. Uh, his name was Mike Bullmore. We got him at the end of the year because Mike's task was simple. We had been studying all year. We had taken tests. Um, it, hopefully most of those tests had been passed, so we were going to graduate Um Mike's task was simple. He was going to both inspire us but challenge us that the word of God needed to occupy a deeper place in our hearts that study alone could not accomplish. And he told this story to illustrate what he meant by that, because you can imagine in a classroom full of students that was a startling challenge to hear, that having studied the word and read the word and even written papers and attested on the word, it didn't mean the word was very deep in our lives. I told a story about Grandma Bullmore. I don't know if you remember this story, Dan, you may. This is my favorite story. Did you have Mike Bullmore? Yeah. Okay, good. Grandma Bullmore lived in the same town Mike did and uh she was a widower, she outlived her Mike's grandfather by twenty years. And as she got older and her health deteriorated, Grandma Beaumore was in a, a nursing home. And so Mike would visit her every week. Now he was a young pastor, and some of you may remember when I was a young pastor. Mike was a young pastor and he went there to encourage his grandma. And so each time he was with her, they would sing a favorite hymn together and they would read scripture together or he would read to her. But as she got older and more frail, Grandma Bulmore would say, Mike, just read to me my go-to psalm. Your go-to psalm? My go-to psalm. Well, what's your go-to psalm? Psalm 91. So he would take her by the hand, and he would read Psalm 91, and he realized she had that psalm in her. She had read it so many times, I don't know if she memorized it, but she could recite it almost by heart. And there were certain verses... They would get to in the reading of the Psalm and you could tell they meant a little more because she'd squeeze his hand, he said, a little harder as if to say, this is the good part. This is the good part. Slow down. You know, Mikey talks very fast. And then she said this one day after one of their Psalm readings. God is so good. Psalm 91 is so true. God is so good. Psalm 91 is so true. As Mike stood up and he looked at her and he realized the pain she was living in every day and that she was alone, a widower, For some 20 years from the man she loved the most, he questioned how can someone say God is so good and Psalm 91 is so true when she's living with pain and suffering this way. As he walked out one day, he stopped and he began to tear up and said, Oh, God, may I have Grandma Bulmore's faith in me so that I not only know what it says, but I can say what it claims to be true is true of me too. That's what God has for us in this song, But it's going to require you to do something that for me and for you, can be the biggest challenge of all. And so as we go through the psalm together, and God speaks to us about his goodness and his truthfulness, he is going to call you and I, this is my main point, to renew our confidence in what he says, his promises, that he alone, he alone is our only safe place in a dangerous world. In order to do that, we're going to look at God's presence, verses 1 and 2, God's pattern of protection in verses 3 through 14, and then God's promise to care for us in verses 14 through 16. Let's look at God's presence in verses 1 and 2, and I want you to ask this question in your life right now, which are you most In need of assurance of God's presence, God's protection, or God's promises. God's presence is the main focus, isn't it? Of the opening verses of the psalm. Let's look at them again together. Verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The psalmist here, whom we're not told who, he doesn't identify himself. Some have argued it's David. Some believe it's Moses. We're not told, but the imagery here would be familiar to us and to the original recipients of this psalm. The imagery in the opening verses speaks of a refuge that moves from one of impermanence to permanence. Do you see that? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. And then verse two, I will say to the Lord, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The idea here is, well, maybe familiar to those of you who are moving into a new apartment or have moved into a new home or are moving in or going to be living in temporary space. At first, it's just a dwelling. It's a place where your stuff is and you return to at night. But after a while, you probably have a favorite space or a place that you frequent in the dwelling where you read or you eat. And then after several months or maybe years, you find yourself more comfortable and the, the dwelling becomes a home. The house becomes a home. The apartment becomes a safe place, a a home for you or for your family. And this is what God seems to be inviting us and the recipients of this psalm originally to consider and to enjoy that God himself can become both a dwelling... In which we can learn to abide in and find security from permanently, now it may seem to some it has seemed to me at times that dwelling and abiding in the presence of God is like for the super spiritual the 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 hyper Spiritual, But the psalmist in this psalm says that dwelling in God's presence, abiding in God's presence, resting and trusting in God's presence is for all those who trust in him. We see that at the end of the psalm, don't we? When the writer says, because in verse 14, he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. We saw it in verse 9 as we worked our way through the psalm. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. So the Lord's presence is promised to us when we both trust in him and seek after him for his protection. A friend of mine has a convertible and a, and also thinning hair up on the top. He loves to take his convertible out for drives uh, when it's not raining in Massachusetts, and um, he will have to wear a hat so that he doesn't get sunburned, but nothing can protect him from the intense heat when he's at a long light, or you're coming out of Rhode Island into Massachusetts, you've got endless construction, it seems, or you're driving by the Rentham Outlet Mall, and there's just endless lines around those exits. And so as his call is, car is idling there, he's getting hot. And so he has found one trick of the trade. For those of you that have convertibles, maybe you'll, this will benefit you. The only, uh, perhaps, practical application of the sermon is he will find, he will idle up to next to a truck where there is shade being cast by the truck on the lane. And that's where he'll idle, even if it means there's a gap in front of him because the car's moving so slow, he wants to be shaded from the heat. Oh, that was interesting. Someone who drives a convertible purposely seeks shade when the heat on the highway is turned up. The psalmist says that the purpose for the heat in your and my life right now is that we would seek out the shade that is found in him. Have you ever thought of that? I'm not talking about the literal heat. You know, the humid days with 93% humidity. That's resolved by an air conditioner, a good fan. I'm talking about the spiritual heat that comes when circumstances introduce us to turmoil and our insides are turning upside And there's all this heat and our heart is screaming for relief. And this psalm says the purpose of the heat may be this. To seek from God the shade and the protection that you need. He promises his protection and his presence. But it does seem to be conditioned on the one who seeks and trusts in him. Verse 1, he who dwells. It presumes that we can find alternative. Dwelling, shelters, and refuges in times of. Because he holds fast to me in love. Verse 14, presumes I can lay hold of someone else or something else when there's circumstantial heat. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. Verse 9. It presumes that I can turn to something else. So we must, and this psalm calls us to graciously seek the shadow of the Almighty. The canopy of God's grace. And that the Lord says it will be worth our effort because, verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You see the writer move from one of a confession of faith to one of resolve in my life right now, Lord. I will seek your presence. I am most in need of your assurance that you Are my dwelling place. It's a harder question. How has uncertainty in your life weakened your resolve to seek the Lord and trust Him for His protection? How has a fear or anxiety, which in my life can so often capture my attention. Weaken my resolve to then seek the Lord. And how do we do that? This song tells us. This song not only urges us to do it, it equips us to do that. Because we see and hear the promises that He makes. To the one who will seek him, verse 3. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, his wings. Under his wings we will find refuge, his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. The striking feature of those verses is the repetition of the word you, 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 you. It's throughout this psalm. These truths are for you and for me and for us so that we should claim them for ourselves. The Lord will deliver you. The Lord will protect you. The Lord will defend you. Who does God protect? You when we seek Him first. That's the first part, God's presence. The second part, God's pattern of protection. I won't develop this quite as long so we can get to the application. Ten dangers, if we count them, beginning in verse 3, are identified. Ten dangers are named in this psalm. They come in pairs. Verse 3, the snare of the the fowler. And the deadly pestilence, verse 4, the terror of the night and arrows by day. Verse 6, pestilence by day, destruction by night. Verse 10, evil and plagues. Verse 13, the lion and the serpent. That covers a lot of ground. 10 dangers, that covers a lot of ground. And we can talk about and certainly ask the question, This is figurative language. The psalmist is engaging in in imagery and piling up the images to make a point. And the point is that God does protect us. I mean, were I to see a live lion in Franklin and do what I did as a young boy scout when we had bears in the wilderness go towards the lion that was live and roaming in Franklin. I don't think verse 13 is going to protect me from the lion if the lion decides to make a snack out of me. Or were I to see a live snake out here? I just, I'm petrified of snakes. I know that disqualifies me for being a Boy Scout, but I hate snakes. I can't recognize a garter snake from a python. I mean, I'm just clueless when it comes to snakes. But I don't think if I were to take this verse literally, it gives me permission to walk up to the snake and pick it up and say, well, God, why didn't you protect me? I think the purpose of describing 10 times these comprehensive dangers In the life of the original audience is simply to make this point. That your world and mine is a dangerous place. And these dangers are both everyday and also extraordinary. And so is there a place we can turn to. For protection. And the psalmist says. Yes it's God. And so the question then. That the dangers. That are so detailed here. With imagery raises. Is how does God protect us? How does he do it? We have seen that God protects the one. Who dwells in the shelter of the moon high. And we notice that. We need protection from. So many dangers in this world of ours. How Does God do it? And that brings me to my final point. God's promise to care for us in verses 14 and 16. And let's read it so we can apply it again. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Note those words. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. In verses 3, the psalmist emphasized you, meaning us. These Protections from these dangers apply to you. They're for all of us. In verses 14 through 16, though, whose personal pronoun, who's speaking in these verses? Do you see the word I? God is speaking. I will deliver him. I will protect him. Verse 15, I will answer him. Note that. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him. I will honor him. I will satisfy him. God is speaking so clearly to the recipient of this psalm because God wants the reader of this psalm and God wants believers today who treasure this psalm to hear God speaking directly to them. He says it to you and he says it to me. And nothing can be more precious to a believer than to read and hear that the Lord is speaking right now these words to me. Why? because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, I will deliver him. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, I will protect him. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, I will answer him. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, I will rescue him. I will satisfy him. I will show him my salvation. How does God do that? How does God reassure you and me That he will keep his promise, these promises, and that these words spoken by him to us through the psalm are true and I can trust in them. Well, let's ask Grandma Bullmore. This psalm did not protect Grandma Bullmore from sickness. It didn't preserve her husband. She lived 20 years in his absence. You can imagine the heartache. It didn't mean that she didn't feel lonely. It didn't protect her from that sense of imprisonment. I'm in an assisted living space, not my home, being cared for by people I don't know, and I can't be with the church, and I can't be with the people that I love the most. It didn't protect her from any of those things where at least I tend to value God's protection the most. And this is where Psalm 19 needs to get my attention. But it did protect Grandma Bullmore in the ultimate sense, in the most glorious sense in the most precious sense, in the same sense that it protected Jesus when he hung on the cross. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit as he died and triumphantly, ultimately, gloriously, was not only raised from the grave, but then ascended to his glorious place in heaven and where he is seated now speaking to all of us through these psalms of an ultimate dwelling place, of a permanent sanctuary, of the only safe place, In a world of everyday danger. And here it says we can rest in him. Here it says we can find safety in him. How? By following Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Didn't he? No one can come to the Father but by me. He gives us the path out of the everyday dangers and into the permanent dwelling place of God. And his presence, his presence is promised to us as it was promised to him in that most difficult of moments. At the end of her life, Grandma Bulmore, having perhaps read Psalm 91 for maybe the last time, was with Michael. He was getting ready to go. He was walking out of the hospital room. And he heard these words as he left the room. And now? Am I alone? No for thou art with me. She wasn't speaking to Michael. She was speaking to him. Psalm 91 has the ability, the capability, Christian, to give us that kind of faith that deep and abiding trust in God's presence, that deep and abiding assurance that God loves me even when all else before me seems to conflict with that. God is with me. I am with him and he will bring me safely through because through Christ, God has become my dwelling place. And I can say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Mike concluded our class by saying, I want that kind of faith, brothers, for you. And pray for me. I need that kind of faith too. Do you want that kind of faith? Or having read the psalm, maybe it's familiar to you. If you conclude you already have that kind of faith. Dear ones, here is a psalm to stand on. Here is a psalm to read and recite and reread again. Here is a psalm to remind ourselves that for those in Christ Jesus, for those who hold fast to Christ in love, for those that continually, even in weakness, to seek His face, He will be our only safe place. Friends, which of the promises that we read today in the I wills, which of those can you bring into your week this week? What would be your strategy when you're facing turmoil, uncertainty, pain, discouragement to remember the I wills, the promises, and not forget and then bring them to the Lord. Recite them to the Lord. Take your take your claim on the truth of these promises. And how might as we do that, how might our confidence in God's love for us be renewed and deepened that he not only is ascended, but he is dwelling with us. And he is keeping all of the promises he has made to us in Christ. Psalm 91 renews our faith in God's promises. Christ is our only safe place in a dangerous world. And as we continue to remember his word and seek his face and walk and encourage one another in it, we'll become more like Grandma Bulmore and a little less like me. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for these words, this psalm, even the song we're about to sing, which, again, says through our words and our voices, we are seeking you. Because you are faithful and true. Lord, we pray as we conclude that you would help us to bring the promises of Psalm 91 off of the pages of Scripture and into the spaces and places of our lives where we are tempted to fear, uncertain and even doubtful. Lord, we want and we desire to receive more of your grace that our faith would grow, our confidence would be renewed because of your gracious presence and work in our lives. And Jesus, we're thankful. We are thankful that in the ultimate sense, you died for our sins you rose again and are now reigning, but one day will return because you have been and will forever be the only safe place for the believer's heart. May by your grace you help us to make sure we are keeping it there. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Let's stand.